This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Well, you got two-thirds of that right. Uh, Mark has the day off. Michael's here. I'm here. Dan Jennings will be joining us in just a few minutes as my uh, substitute co-host this morning. Currently, I guess, Michael, I was out this morning. You know, we're babysitting a neighbor's dog. It was like 68 degrees this morning. It's kind of neat, kind of cool. It's supposed to get up to about 90 degrees today, but... Being out there around 3.30, kind of a different look to the temperature. Uh, we've got a power pack show today, a lot of headlines. I guess the uh, two big ones, the Saints win last night. They're 2-0, best start since 2013. And Nick Saban does not give us much time to speculate on who the quarterback is going to be. Jalen Milrow will be the starting quarterback, his third start. Remember, he missed the game against South Florida. He was basically benched. So Nick says he's my guy. It's kind of the opposite situation as last week. He shuts it down on Monday. It was pretty surprising to see. And I mean, we, you guys talked about it kind of all day yesterday. I don't think the result is surprising that Nick Saban is going with Jalen Milrow, but I was surprised to see Nick Saban kind of shut it down this early in the week and say Jalen Milrow has, quote-unquote, earned the opportunity to be the starting quarterback. And now begs the question, you know, what happened last week in practice that kept him off the field so long against South Florida? Was it a pseudo-suspension? Did he you know, not react well to the news in practice that Buckner or Simpson were going to get an opportunity? And then, you know, that's why he was so supportive. Not that, you know, he's a good teammate, so that's why he was supportive of his teammates. But, you know, may maybe there was something else going on. So I would project this. Is this a one-game start, or is he my quarterback for the entire season? And I would throw this on, too. What if, against a very good Ole Miss team, you get off to a slow start? Things aren't going so well. Does he reach into the basket again and, and pluck another quarterback out for the second half? I mean, when you anoint Jalen Milrow, are you saying you're the guy for the, whole, you know, for the entire game unless it gets to be a route or a runaway? I'm going to stick with you, or am I going to yank you if things don't go well? Yeah, he did say the term moving forward, so... You know, I think Milrow's got a little bit of leeway here, I think at least more so than he did. Uh, that being said, I still think the the thought remains that he's not just guaranteed to keep the job if he's not playing well. Like, if he comes out and throws three picks in the first half, I don't think he's going to play the second half. That being said, I, I like to think he's going to play a little bit better. I mean, he was bad against Texas. I, I hope he's going to be better against Ole Miss. I don't know if he's going to be better against Ole Miss. Was I he bad against Texas because of the two picks, or were there other reasons? Because I don't think it was all on him, and it never is about a quarterback, but the offensive line was so basically like uh, Swiss cheese, and then then the, the bad snaps of the quarterback, and he made plays that many quarterbacks probably couldn't make. Yeah, he certainly wasn't the only reason that uh – that Alabama lost the Texas game. I mean, the picks were inexcusable, and the picks were a big part of why they lost. And he struggles to read a defense. That's undeniable. But 
all this being said, yeah, he's not the only reason they lost. They couldn't they couldn't run the ball consistently. They gave up long touchdowns to to Quinn Ewers. So, I mean, there's other reasons they lost the game. But ultimately, when your quarterback commits two backbreaking turnovers, yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't give you a great chance to win the game. That being said, I I would like to see Ty Simpson get a shot at starting a game and. The fact that Tyler Buckner started the game, I don't know. Does it, it does it does it make you think Tommy Reese just begged Nick Saban, all right, like give my guy a shot. This isn't working out. And then all right, well, we gave your guy a shot. He stunk. I mean, Tyler Buckner was terrible. We talked about that yesterday. I'd like to see Ty Simpson get a shot. I think we know what Jalen Milrow is gonna give you at this point. I don't know exactly what Ty Simpson is gonna give you, but I don't know. It's, it might be a long season either way. My co-host has just uh, moved in here, a former quarterback in his own right at Fairhope. He understands position. He was at the Texas game. Your thoughts on Milrow, Mr. Dan Jennings? Hey, I'm glad it's out. I'm glad it's out in the open. Good morning, by the way. Good morning. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Uh, I'm glad they got it named. Uh, I, I think it's good that, you know what, this where this team is now, in my opinion, as few of distractions as possible is a positive. So put the kid under center. He appears at this point certainly the most experienced. And this is a big week. This is a big step for the team as a unit. Um, they went on the road in terrible conditions. They got a win. Was it pretty? No. But I think anyone who's ever been involved in sports I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. You're a diehard Alabama fan. So is Michael. You must be holding your breath, hoping he does come out and play well, because if he doesn't, then what? Well, then, I mean, I think there's got to be a little bit of, uh, you know, he's earned the right to get extended opportunity here. I also think there needs to be some things looked at. Maybe you bend the offense to fit his strengths, and I hope that we see that come Saturday. Um, I think that's going to be important. This guy is a tremendous athlete. He's got a great arm. Um, you know, the Texas game I was at, two touchdowns called back by penalties. There were also two passes thrown on the different side of a receiver that would have resulted in touchdowns. Did it happen? It didn't. But you're that close from that game being maybe uh, a, a huge Alabama win certainly being in the mix of it versus execution that didn't occur and it cost you you know there have been some out there that say well all right uh we look back at the history of recent history of alabama quarterbacks Tua jones and uh, jalen hurts and uh, the fact that they're all in the you know in the nfl and then you, they also preface by saying well look at the talent they had the running backs uh, the wide receivers and yet Alabama continues to be in the top one, two, three classes. Is the talent still there? Or is it just that, that the guys they have in there just haven't measured up to the expectations of the guys that they used to have there that are now in the NFL? I think it's exactly what you just said. You know what? The be people are not missing all, all these recruiting services and people that rank these kids. They're not missing 50-plus players as, oh, we had him as a five, he should have been a three, that kind of thing. Those rankings coming out of high school, once they get to college, that's irrelevant. Now it's about letting that ability go out and perform. This is a talented team. Uh, 
we've been spoiled as Alabama fans. I get that. And everybody, I love the fact, boy, when we left the stadium up at uh, Texas, man, right away there were, there were 100,000 Monday morning quarterbacks about this went wrong and we should have, would have, could have. You know something? Perhaps a loss like that early might have been the absolute best thing because you see what's happening in Colorado. You give the rat poison, as Coach Saban likes to call it, and Dion's taking it and making the most of it. And I got to believe some of that's occurring in Tuscaloosa. They've been written off. They've been disrespected. Go out and go 1-0 and every Saturday and begin to jail as a team. And the true ability should step forward. The quarterbacks, Michael, are they surrounded by really good players up there at Tuscaloosa, much like we've seen in the past few years? Well, I think those are two different things. I, I think they are surrounded by really good players. I think they're surrounded by players that 90% of schools and quarterbacks in the country would take, but players of the quality we've seen the past few years, I think that's a different, uh, that's a different question. I don't think that there's multiple first-round guys in that room. I don't think there's any first-round guys in that room. So, so no, I, I, I don't think it's the, the same as it's been, and I do think that's an issue that's that's plagued them a little bit. It's it's kind of crying spoiled a little bit, the fact, oh, you know, we don't have any good receivers. Well, we do have good receivers. We do. Uh, is, there, is there that ridiculously dominant guy who's going to be a, a top 15 pick? No, there's not. And – there might not be an NFL receiver in the room. The the Ja'Cory Brooks thing has been a big mystery. I, I he I mean he's been a complete ghost. Granted, everyone has kind of due to the fact that this passing offense right now just isn't very good and they're just not prolific throwing the ball and it's kinda hard to get a look at any of these guys right now. I think Bond is the best guy in the room, but I I mean yeah, I mean I think there's a lot of good receivers. there's probably five good receivers in the room. I don't think there's any great wide receiver one first round pick talents in the room all right we're gonna take a break uh, we've got saints to cover big win last night uh got a text ross jackson who covered the game will be uh joining us at 6 30 his plane has landed bet you enjoyed last night's saints win huh I, I thought it was a saturday or sunday man football yeah. baseball everywhere it was a great night saints saints look good and they went on the road and and big win We'll talk about that when we come back. We're going to also hear from Travis Ryer from On 3 at 7 on Alabama. We've got Jerry Palm, CBS Sports. What a weekend of games coming up uh, from start to finish. Some great, great matchups coming up. We'll talk about that. We've got Justin Ferguson to talk about Auburn coming up at 8 o'clock. We've got uh, giveaways, a Chick-fil-A giveaway. We're also going to qualify you for our Naaman's tailgating party. All that coming up right here on the... Tuesday morning opening kickoff featuring Dan Jennings, Michael Bronner, and yours truly, Lee Shervanian. It is currently 6.16 WNSP Sports Time. Pressure ball out. Picked up. Wow. Touchdown Steelers. Didn't take long. I'm watching the Saints game, and then they're showing this split screen. And before you know it, the Steelers score a touchdown in the first nine seconds. I don't know if I've ever seen a touchdown that quickly without it being a kickoff return. That's what we thought it was at our house. We thought it had been a kickoff return for a score. 
This segment is brought to you by South Alabama Athletics, reminding you that you can purchase tickets for South Alabama football at usajaguars.com slash tickets. A couple of notes on the Jags. Uh, their opening conference game is against James Madison. That'll be a road game, and it's going to be aired on national TV, ESPNU. It'll be an 11 a.m. game. And then the uh, Jags, with that performance over Oklahoma State, they have been named the Cheez-It National Team of the Week by the Football Writers Association of America. Jim McElwain leads Central Michigan into uh, Hancock-Whitney Stadium this coming Saturday. So I, I think it was either you or Michael brought up the fact about, you know, Tommy Reese. How much uh, – and, again, it's hard to speculate. How much say do you think he has – and who the quarterback is. I mean, I know he's going to offer an opinion, and, and Nick Saban would be foolish not to listen, but still, ultimately, it's Nick's decision. I think he strongly suggested putting Tyler Buckner in. Uh, I mean, I think he wanted to bring in Buckner from the beginning. I think he had an influence in Buckner having the backup job over Ty Simpson. I mean, what other reason can you give for having that guy over Ty Simpson? And again, I, I don't want to just continue ripping on Buckner, but... Well, you have. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, every week you pick on somebody. Well, it's Deion Sanders. It's Tyler Buckner. Who's it going to be next week? I mean, Tyler Buckner should have never been on the field. And we can we can pick on the Saints and Derek Carr later because, I, I mean, yeah, they won. But ugh. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. What's, what was wrong with Derek Carr? Oh, he threw, they won. Threw oh, man. I mean, what Pan what's Pan wrong? Panthers Why do you? Are, Panthers are bad. Uh, I think Bryce will figure it out. Is anybody good? Well, the Panthers certainly aren't. The Saints no. are. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Saints. <coughs> are what's good, wrong? With, Dan? So who would you draw? Oh, okay, I wait disagree. a minute. Now, Michael, like you really? This. This is who, good. Yeah, who would you rather have than Derek Carr? You want Winston? Who do you want? No, Drew Brees I mean, can't play anymore. Derek Carr's fine. He's an upgrade from what they had. I just, I mean, I I think there was a uh, a little bit of a level of overexcitement with Derek Carr last year. I think he is what he is. I think last year was an indicator of what he was. I think he got a free pass, even though he had the worst statistical season of his career with the best weapons he's ever had. I just think, you know, he's pedestrian. You don't want to give him a little chance, a, a hall no, pass mean, for a again, few games to get used he's to... He's fine. He's okay. fine. He is. He just is what he is. Uh, he's pedestrian. He's Have you ever heard of anybody so negative in the morning? Hey, he's coming out hot. I yeah, like he does. it. He does. He rips on everybody in the morning. He rips on me when I'm not, when I'm not even here. I didn't mean to make that a Derek Carr thing. but Well, go ahead. You, you, you've seen Carr now. Uh, Danny's a huge Saints fan, more so than you. What do you think about Carr? Oh, I think he's legit. You know what I think? I think, number one, he's going to do what they brought him in to do, and that's distribute the ball to playmakers who – Arguably, once they get Kamara back, you may have the best group of four playmakers in the entire, maybe outside of a, a Miami, uh, in the league. I, not only do I think that the Saints are good, I think this is a playoff slash potential Super Bowl Saints team. That defense is absolutely nasty. You watched that secondary last night, and we all talk, you know, oh, Alabama's this, they're terrible, they're God, we need Bryce back. You saw Bryce last night in a situation where they were overmatched with their uh, special uh, their receivers versus a Saints secondary that completely limited any opportunity to distribute the ball. Do you want a, a rebuttal? I think the Saints are phenomenal on defense. 
Uh, I, I I certainly agree with that. I mean, the Panth- Panthers are bad. I, well, wait a minute. What did you expect when you're going with a rookie quarterback, a brand-new coach, a program yeah. that's been very inconsistent, firing know. coaches left <laughs> and right? What do you expect? I don't know. I thought, I thought it would be a little What'd bit you think? better. <laughs> I, I you know thought the, it would be a little bit better. You know, the really much know maligned uh, AFC South. you got three teams there that are 2-0 this year. Unbelievable. And you know what? The, to be 2-0, and and every member of the Saints that was interviewed said, we haven't played our best game. We're far from it. Uh, Again, that, to me, goes back to what I have believed a long time. The way the NFL preseason is ran now, it's it's it absolutely does zero, in my opinion, to get the 53 guys that you're going north with prepared and ready to play. And I think you're seeing some of these games early in the season in the NFL that basically are the preseason games that are going to the 53 that made it versus everyone else getting an open tryout. Lee, Lee, my opinion on the Saints is just that they've beaten two very bad teams in these first two weeks, and it's been close in the first two. I think the Titans are terrible. I think the Panthers are terrible. We'll see what we'll see what they do on the road in Green Bay next week. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I just think Carr's terrible. He's fine. They're they're okay. Jordan Love. It's it's been a nice surprise. He's been pretty good. Uh, So we'll see. It's on the road too. Uh, Packers aren't terrible, uh, but. We'll see. I just think Carr's pedestrian. He's okay. He's better than what they had last year. They brought him in, and there was a lot of excitement, and I just think he kind of is what he is at this point. How would you like him running your Nationals team? He Ooh, man, have everybody that, wanting to leave. He, he better have some thick skin when he comes in that hot because there's some fire coming back, and that's good. That's what makes Michael Michael. He likes that. Thanks. All right, uh, we're into a break. I don't uh, think that's this radical take to say Carr is not like the spectacular quarterback anymore. He's fine. He's okay. He's gonna would you throw bad, be, He's gonna throw a bad pick every week, like hey, he has. Buddy, the would you first rather be two and zero against, as you say, bad teams, or zero and two? I would rather look good at two and zero, but yes, I'd rather be two and zero. He's a Patriots fan. Let me win ugly. I'm good. Just let me win, baby. Michael's a Patriots fan. He's suffering, so he's taking it out on the taking Saints. Taking it out on the Houdats? Okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. That will give you a few minutes to cool off. Russ Jackson covered the game. Uh, Danny will be talking to him. What he saw last night at Carolina. Uh, Bryce Young threw for just 153 yards. The question arises, should he be starting and maybe give him a chance to soak it all in on the sidelines? This is the opening kickoff. Dan Jennings sitting in for Mark Heim. I'm Lee Shervani and Michael Bronner. It is currently... Uh Panthers rush five. Carr steps up and delivers downfield. Get him a 50-50 oh. ball. What a catch by Olave. <laughs> Ooh, they were talking about Olave's catch being one of the best catches of the year. We're only two games into the season. It was a, what, one-handed tip grab. And the Saints go on to win 20-17. to 17. The, the score, maybe not reflective because Carolina scored at the end of the game and then also had a two-pointer, which obviously closed to within three. But Ross Jackson and Ross, good morning. How are you today? Hey, buddy. Good morning. Doing great. Doing great. So uh, you're in Atlanta Airport now? Home after the game, but uh, a fun one to be at for sure. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners now? Uh, you're with what? SaintsSI.com. 
Yeah, over at Saints News Network, Saints.media, if you want to find that on your browser or si.com slash NFL slash Saints, but Saints.media is easier. That, of course, is along with the uh, Locked on Saints podcast. So that catch by Olavi, is that like going to be a highlight for the rest of the year now? Yeah, I think it's up there. I don't know that I would necessarily call it catch of the year just yet. I know there's been some chatter uh, around that. I think his former college teammate, Garrett Wilson, actually has him beat from the previous Sunday. That incredible catch that he made in the end zone helps with that one was a touchdown as well. But I do think Chris Olave made uh, a play that is going to be replayed over and over and over again all throughout the 2022 uh, or all throughout the 2023 NFL season. That's for sure. Hey, Ross, Dan Jennings here. Good morning. Hey, Dan. Good morning. Can you talk a little bit about uh, truly what was one of the more remarkable efforts to uh, this early in the season? The Saints' defense, I mean, they were matched basically a series for series in the first uh, in the first half, and then they just continued to flex their muscle. Th- this unit truly is a playoff unit and a chance to be a Super Bowl-type defense. Yeah, this defense is absolutely remarkable, and it's the DNA of the team. And, look, we know since Dennis Allen became the full-time defensive coordinator back in 2015 that it was it, it would slowly kind of become the identity of the team, particularly in 2017 with that incredible draft class that they had. But really, I mean, here, since he's, since he's taken over as head coach, it's become more than their identity. It, it's their DNA. It's imprinted in who they are that this defense is the unit. Um, I mean, their ability to be able to go back and forth, they're, they're right now on pace to, um, you know, have their second best three-game start uh, of the season, uh, you know, to a season in terms of points allowed since 2021, where they uh, allowed only 13 points over the course of those first three games, things allowing only 16 points uh, on average over these first two. So they've been absolutely remarkable. They continue to get the ball back to the offense, whether that means getting the opposing offense off the field or taking the ball away, which we've seen more in these first two games than we saw maybe through the first stretch of, I don't know, four or five games of the 2022 season. They're absolutely remarkable, and I think you're right. I think this is a special unit over on defense, and uh, now you just want to see the offense catch up in terms of the potential that it has versus the execution that we've seen so far on the field. The I tell you, the play of the linebackers, Demario Davis and Werner, those two guys, man, they're sideline to sideline, and uh, they just have that ability to take over a game in, in a way that you you really like to see, and they make a statement. Let's flip the uh, going offensively. We, we have what one more game until we get Kamara back, mm-hmm. and I think. Yeah, that's we, right. From a standpoint of just pure weapons, when you look at what these guys are able to do and, you know, was was it clicking on all cylinders? And that's another question I have for you. But I got to believe that when you get Kamara back in the backfield, that makes teams give a little more credence to stopping the run is going to open some things up for Carr and that great group of receivers. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, I think that this New Orleans Saints team needs to be able to get its run game going. Now, look, they got over 130 rushing yards last night against the Carolina Panthers, but is the way that they did it sustainable? Is running Taysom Hill out of the backfield and consistently using him at quarterback? I mean, I think that there was a, a you know there's a balance between utilizing him and overutilizing him, and so last night was an example of o- overutilizing him, and it worked to a T. However, is that sustainable, and are they going to be able to continue to do that? I don't think so, not for another 15 games, right? 
And so I think that getting Alvin Kamara back and then also adding in eventually the debut of um, TC, former TCU running back and third-round pick, Kendra Miller, I think both of these guys have the ability to help New Orleans be able to continue to expand their game. And the other thing that you really get out of Alvin Kamara or with Alvin Kamara that I don't think that we've seen a ton of over the course of the first two games is the ability to be able to pass out of the backfield and utilize that as an extension of your run game. Use that short, quick passing game as a part of your run game. I think that's something that comes back with Alvin Kamara as well. He might take a little bit of a moment to hit his stride, but he'll come back against that, you know, that Tampa Bay team that he's had a lot of success against uh, at home with Derek Carr. There might be some communication stuff to, to kind of you know, iron out there, but I think that you know, in terms of the rising tide of what this offense can be by then and then adding in Alvin Kamara, even if there are some growing pains, I think that that helps take this New Orleans offense to the whole new level and the level that it needs to be operating at. Yeah, I, You know, just watching not only the Saints, but a lot of these teams early, it appears that the NFL preseason, and I'm sure it gets talked about, but the 53 that you go north with, that you play with, I'm not so sure that these first couple of games during the season, these guys, from a timing standpoint, the routes, breaking on routes, anticipata- uh, anticipatory throws from quarterbacks, these guys are basically in their full preseason mode right now. Yeah, you're still working out and ironing out a lot of those wrinkles for sure. I mean, this is a team, usually it would be that, you know, the – last preseason game is where you really saw the starters and you saw them for about a half or so, right? Now, this past preseason, what we saw for New Orleans was the opening drive of the preseason. We got to see 12 plays of that New Orleans Saints offense, and it was an 85-yard touchdown drive, so credit to them. But ever since then, we didn't see that offense again until the opening game against the Tennessee Titans last weekend. So I think you're right. I think there's still getting strides and figuring out rhythm, working out communication, ironing out wrinkles, figuring out, you know, even just from a, this is going to sound a little ridiculous, but even just from a, how far do I throw the ball to match Chris Olave's speed perspective? I mean, there's super small nuancey things that are still kind of having to be worked out. And, and I think a big part of that is the lack of, you know, participation during the preseason, which I understand. If you can win games like this and then get better, that's a much better alternative than risking your starters during the preseason where games don't mean anything. I understand the argument. But absolutely, I think you're seeing a lot of this still being a little bit of a preseason for some of these offenses across the NFL. Absolutely. I Very well put. One question I do have, and a lot of our listeners I know watching the first two games across the offensive line, and I realize that's a unit as well. They have to jail. But Penning seems to be somewhat of the weak link. Is there – do you see – things where he's showing signs of improvement is there uh, a group of guys that can can rotate in and out of there to perhaps shore that up yeah i think that you are seeing some improvement there i thought that he a much better game last night than he played against uh tennessee you know i'll have to go back to the film and and, and watch it uh, as i get through that's what i'm going to spend my second flight there doing uh, but i do think that he performed better certainly in the run game he was huge for them especially in those red zone runs he was outstanding in those moments and uh yes i, I think that he's a guy that's just one of those guys where you have to get him out there and the only thing that's left is to play he has to get experience against live bullets he has to get experience against nfl speed and this is him doing it i i, I honestly think that the and, and I thought this the first 
first week, too, that not only did he struggle, but the, the interior of the offense struggled during the first week. You saw pressure right up the middle, things like that. Uh, last night against uh, Carolina, you saw a little bit of that uh, kind of you know get shored up, but I think you still saw some pressure from the interior as well. And, and as you know, getting pressure up the middle is the quickest way to disrupt a quarterback, and it causes a lot of trouble for the guys over on the edge as well. So I think that really the whole offensive line, who's now played 64 snaps last week, played 77 snaps last night. Those are the first two games that this collection of five offensive linemen have ever played together. I do think they took some steps forward, but I do think that there's a lot of room left to grow, but they're going to have to be out there together in order for it to happen. It can't just happen in practice. Ross Jackson joining me from Atlanta Airport to talk about the Saints. He covered the game last night for SaintsSportsSI.com. What did you think of Bryce Young, and is he being rushed into action too soon, meaning should Andy Dalton be starting and maybe Bryce learned on the sidelines? I think if anything is indicative of Andy Dalton as a, as a starter at this point in his career, it's the fact that he went in to be the change of pace guy for Bryce Young and the very first snap was a little start. And that was pretty much what we saw from Andy Dalton all of his tenure with the New Orleans Saints last year. I think that Bryce Young is a guy that is, is just like what we just talked about with Trevor Penning and this New Orleans Saints offensive line. The only thing that's left for him to do is to feel live shots and to feel live speed at the NFL. He's a remarkable talent, and you can see it. I think you can absolutely see the talent that kid in his decision-making. Um, I think that he's a little bit too risk-averse sometimes. But, look, he, the most risk-averse um, uh, uh, drive that he put together was the touchdown drive at the end of the game when New Orleans was keeping everything ahead of him. So it's not like you can't cash in that way. You saw the escape ability. You saw his ability to keep his eyes downfield. He did not have much trouble because of his size against a larger defensive line. Remember, the New Orleans Saints are one of the taller defensive lines in the NFL. I just think that when you look at Bryce Young, the only thing that's left for him is to continue to get the experience. But I thought he was uh, outstanding for a young rookie starting in his second-ever game last night. Before I let you go, over the weekend, the biggest takeaway you came away with with the NFL, any game or any play or anything that stuck out? I'll go with the trend that I saw across the NFL again for the second week in a row. It's strong defenses, weak offenses. This is what we see year in and year out across the NFL. And certainly there are some exceptions to that. Some offenses click right away and they look great and things like that. I get it. But for the most part, what you're seeing across the NFL right now is a lot of really, really strong defense and offenses still finding their footing. Some of that could be what Dan and I just talked about in terms of preseason. Other parts of it is new weapons, new pieces, new timing, new schemes, new quarterbacks, all those things. But eventually, once the NFL kind of settles into its rhythm after the first quarter of the season and the offenses get clicking, this is going to be a very, very exciting season uh, of NFL football here in 2023. Ross, we'll check in with you next Monday after the uh, Packers game against the Saints. I really appreciate you taking time to join us. Always a pleasure, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me on. Y'all take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. You Thank bet. you, Ross. Ross Jackson. Have you ever had a dental implant? I have not, but my wife's about to. Oh, really? Yes. Well, if she needs any advice, she can call me. <laughs> I've had about seven or eight, and thanks to the professionalism of Dr. Christopher Mullinex over at Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, I've gotten through a breeze through it. I never knew what they were. 
I certainly know now. All right, Mobile Oral Facial Surgery. They have you covered with Dr. Christopher Mullenix and Dr. Aaron Wallander. They perform a number of different oral surgeries. I mentioned dental implants. How about wisdom teeth, jaw surgery, much, much more. You do not need a referral, although you can hang your hat on mine. Uh, Same-day appointments are available by calling 471-3381 for more information. They're located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard, Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, and Dr. Christopher Mullenix, who's a big proponent of local sports, are title sponsor for our game days, which this week will take us on the road to Mary G. Montgomery, latest ranking at number four in the state in 7A, and then to the number one ranked team, Saraland, in uh, 6A. We'll be at both locales this week, Thursday and Friday. When we come back, uh, David Green is going to join us, and then... All right, we talk about the changing of the guard at quarterback. We talk about Nick Saban designating Jalen Milrow. But let's let's explore the offensive line. That is an issue. Are there going to be changes there or what can be done? So we'll uh, kind of check that out also to help the quarterback give him some protection if there's going to be any changes on that offensive line. You're listening to the uh, Tuesday morning opening kickoff. Currently it is... 646, Dan Jennings sitting in for Mark Heim along with Michael Bronner and yours truly, Lou Shervanian. The high today, about 90 degrees, but right now it is a cool 70, 71 degrees. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Good morning, 650 WNSP Sports. I couldn't get Harry Hamlin on this morning from L.A. Law, so I got David Green from Lower Alabama Law. He's 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 more up on it anyway. As good as it gets. Yes, Dan Jennings sitting in for Mark Heim. Let's, let's check in now with uh, David Green. David, welcome to the show. How you doing this morning? Hey, doing well. Good morning. Enjoying this cool weather. I'll bet you are. You out there walking this morning? Well, I'm watering the ferns. <laughs> <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> That's right. David, uh, let, let's pursue personal injury lawyers. Uh, how easy is it to hire a personal injury lawyer, and what are the advantages? Well, you know, it, it's very easy to hire a lawyer from Green & Phillips. Uh, we make it so simple. You can go online. You can fill out the form. Uh, you don't even have to come in. You can have a Zoom call if you if you prefer. Uh, I know my father uh, was an old paper mill worker and very humble man, and so things like that sort of frightened him of you know kind of going to see people like you know like what we do, which is kind of interesting in itself. But you know it, it makes it so, we make it so easy that you do not have to come in. Um, we can we can handle everything remotely. We have clients all over the country, um, you know, mostly Alabama, Mississippi, Florida. But we do have uh, clients all over that we talk to often. Uh, but a Zoom call can be done. That's just made it so easy. All the, the problems with COVID really made it easier for uh, being able to talk to your lawyer. So we can make it so simple for you. Uh, you only pay if we win your case. Um, it is a really good situation. There are a lot of other great law firms that do the same thing. So not just us, but, um, you know, if you, if you have a problem and you need to talk to someone, we can certainly do it and make it simple for you 
uh, so you don't have to take off work. And one of the things, too, that we were just talking about yesterday, um, so many times people are involved in a crash and they don't think that they're hurt. And they say, oh, well, gosh, I'll just deal with it and, and go on. You really ought to get checked out by a, a doctor and make sure you're okay. We've seen it over and over and over again in the past 26 years where folks will have a very minor seeming accident and have some, something major wrong. Uh, not wishing that to happen to anybody, but, gosh, you can have a torn shoulder or a hip or something of that nature that you don't realize you have. And then down the road, if you've not documented that you had a problem, then you're, you're going to have a real problem proving your case if indeed you choose to, to have a case. Question for you. If you're involved in an accident, what's the pecking order for making calls? Do, do Obviously, you call police first, right? Do you, I, I, do you call? Yeah. Is it at that time, do you call for an attorney? Like if I was in an accident, would I call your office right away during the accident investigation? You know, we've had folks do that before, but I think, number one, the most important thing is to get your vehicle out of the roadway so nothing else happens, so no one else is hurt. Uh, call the authorities, um, seek medical treatment, and then make your phone call to a lawyer of your choice. I think that's super important. I've had people call me at all different crazy times, and that's fine. But it's very personal. Uh, it's very much what you feel like you want to do. But very, very important to get the authorities out, make sure there's, it is documented what happened, how it all happened. And then the other thing, if you're able, try to find out who the witnesses are. A lot of times our officers are very busy. They may get witnesses, but sometimes the witness statements are not available. Go ahead and see if you can do just a little bit by getting names, if you possibly can, if you feel like it. But very, very important to have the witnesses. But number one is to call 911. Secondly, seek medical treatment. And the number three, talk to a local lawyer uh, that, that of your choice. David Dan here. Is there a better way to record some of the uh, some of the items that you need? Video, handwritten, uh, auto record, any of that? Which is the best? You know, any of it's fine. The old fashioned, uh, you know, having someone's phone number uh, is a great and their name. Uh, so we can call them and get the statement uh, from them. That's super important. Uh, I know I've seen people that have come in and said, hey, gosh, I got it on video. I, I, I got the person that saw it just to tell me what happened. So if you feel like doing that, that's okay, too. But, you know, having the ability for us as we're putting the case together uh, to have uh, the phone number and the name is so important. We tried a case uh, about three weeks ago and, and – uh, actually got a very good verdict case still going on, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But we had witnesses that we had, um, you know, had names and numbers. We were able to call, um, you know, take their statement, uh, take their deposition in some situations, and uh, basically prove the case for our client. So uh, just important to make sure you can reach out to that person. Name and phone number, the most basic way a lot of times is the best. But, gosh, you can get a video. That helps, too. <laughs> All right, David, I'm going to ask you a sports question. We haven't talked about this, but it just came to my mind. What with the uh, the news about Travis Hunter, the Colorado dual threat safety wide receiver, put out of action for a couple of weeks on an illegal hit, blindside hit. And I'm wondering, could a case like this ever come to court? You know, generally not. Uh, and, and you really, you know, it depends on, uh, I guess the regulations out there, I guess that case uh, or that situation, that was in Colorado, I think. Uh, and so depends on kind of what their, their laws are out there. But generally there's protections in that. But, you know, that 
I saw that hit, and it just seemed like, uh, you know, gosh, it shouldn't have happened. And I know folks get excited during games and get all riled up, but folks need to control themselves. And so, unfortunately, hopefully hopefully that young man's going to be okay. I know that was a pretty serious injury, and uh, I really hate to see anybody get hurt. But I know that, you know, that uh, we all get excited in games, and gosh, um, but, but you got to control yourself. And so, Hopefully uh, that won't happen again, but I don't. I don't know that there will be any charges out of that. But uh, very unfortunate situation. I hope that young man's going to be okay. So far, the aftermath of that hit is that Hunter will miss the Oregon and Southern Cal games for sure, maybe more. Mm-hmm. But investigators are now checking into death threats against Henry Blackburn. He was the uh, guy that hit. Uh, Travis Hunter, and apparently social media and whatever, there have been death threats against him and his family. So this has become a kind of a big issue out there in Colorado. And I was just curious of, uh, and I didn't mean for this specific case, but a hit like that, especially if a player was put out for the whole year, if it could wind up in court. But we'll, we'll if that happens, we'll, we'll be t- talking to you about that soon. But We'll see what happens down the road with uh, Hunter and Colorado. David, I can't thank you enough. The number to get in touch with the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm is? Yeah, very simple. It's 251-300-2000, 51 North Florida Street here in Midtown Mobile or the Forbes Building in downtown Birmingham. Thank you so much for joining us. Check in with you next Tuesday. God bless. See you guys. All right, when we get to Travis Ryer, besides the quarterback naming of Jalen Milrow, Michael, do we know if there's going to be any changes on the offensive line yet? Not that I've heard, but, ooh, boy. Uh, It it almost doesn't even matter. Like, when you throw Milrow out there, it's almost like you're conceding that, well, the offensive line is terrible, so Milrow gives us the best chance to win with this terrible offensive line because the guy's going to be – under pressure anyway so i don't know uh caden proctor is a revolving door right now at that left tackle position so it's bad i i I don't know what the solution is i think that's one of the things that the transfer portal has hurt alabama with is depth on the offensive line isn't one of those that left the george was it damian george i believe so and he's been suspended for the first half he was involved in the tennessee florida fight uh he's I believe with I think Florida. He's a guard, not yeah. a tackle, but, but he's been, uh, he'll miss a half of their next game. All right, for Dan Jennings and Michael Bronner, I'm Lee Shervaney and Travis Ryer on deck. He'll be talking uh, about Alabama. He's with On Three Sports. That'll be one of the highlights of the seven o'clock hour. Hour number two on the way on WNSP and WNSP.com. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, sitting in for Mark is Dan Jennings joining me. He's off the road. The Nationals say, look, uh, you're more important today to WNSP than you are to the Washington Nationals. So he's in the studio talking about important guests, Travis Ryer from On3, joining us this morning. Travis, good morning, and welcome to uh, the opening kickoff, hour number two. How are you doing this morning? 
I'm great. How are you? Good. Well, we've talked a lot about the quarterback position. Nick Saban uh, kind of stealing our thunder. Now we can't speculate, knowing that Milrose starting. We can't go on for three or four days speculating. But I wanted to ask you, is anything going to be done about the offensive line? Yeah, I would think so. I, I would think that's a daily evaluation going on at this point. Now, they were without Tyler Booker, one of their starting guards, down at South Florida, but they obviously had issues beyond just one position, really, other than J.C. Latham. They continued to have their struggles against a group of five defensive front and a front seven. So, um, sure, I'm, I'm thinking that Nick Saban isn't just uh, – uh, watching this stuff and, and kind of just going with it. But for now, anyway, they've got plenty to clean up. Uh, Dan Jennings here, Travis. Just checking about uh, injuries, where we are headed into this game. And from a standpoint, you know, I mean, the we've been so spoiled for so long. And the woe is me, woe is us when we don't win the way we think we should. But there's some positives with this team, and this team is real close to gelling in a way that uh, puts Alabama right back in the forefront where we all think that they potentially could be. Yeah, from an injury standpoint, they were without Booker, they were without Shaheem Otis, and they were without Kendrick Law down at uh, South Florida. So we'll see about the status of all three of those guys as they move through the week. It looked like based on the practice footage UA released yesterday that Shaheem Otis uh, at least took part in some drill work. Uh, didn't really see Tyler Booker at left guard. It looked like it was still Terrence Ferguson, at least in what we saw, the little bit we saw. Um, and then we'll see about Kendrick Law as well. But I think as much as anything, it's, it's an offensive identity that we didn't think uh, we would uh, still be sorting out here three games into the season that has been most problematic. And that's regardless of who the quarterback was, whether it was Jalen Milrow, whether it was Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner, you, you figured that this offensive line and this run game would be front and center on the offensive side of the ball. Hasn't really played out that way on a consistent basis, but I'm sure as we heard from Nick Saban yesterday, he's hoping that there's carryover from that fourth quarter in Tampa when Alabama rushed for nearly a hundred yards in that, in that final quarter. So uh, Roydell Williams um, seemed to get in a rhythm with, with that group and uh, did some really nice things in the second half. And, you know, with who they have coming up next and Ole Miss, uh, being able to run the ball, control the football, uh, it's worked well for them in some previous matchups with Lane Kiffin, most notably the last time Ole Miss visited Tuscaloosa. Alabama held on the ball for 38 minutes. So, Travis, uh, what would – what your response be, or what your feelings on why Milro did not play against South Florida? Well, it sounds like based on Nick's comments post game that you know that perhaps Jalen didn't exactly uh, handle the situation coming out of Texas and going into USF week the way that that Saban would have liked. Um, so, in some ways, that that may have forced the situation more towards Tyler Buckner than anything else. Although. The reaction may have spawned from the fact that they were going to take a look at Tyler Buckner. So a couple of different ways to look at that. I think, as Nick said, he was uh, he was then pleased by the way uh, Milrow handled the situation in game uh, and, and the leadership he displayed. Uh, we can talk about the intangibles and all those things. Bottom line is 
through three games and what we've seen of these three quarterbacks as much as anything. Alabama's explosive play potential has been far greater with Jalen on the field than with Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson. Now, he turned the ball over a couple times. Those were critical turnovers uh, in that loss to Texas. He also lost a couple touchdown passes, though, in that game to penalties. So, um, sample size being what it is, and again, the reality that as much as you might think this defense by by the midway point of the season has a chance to be really, really good, you still have to score points uh, in today's football. And, you know, this is an offense with Ole Miss coming to town that could put you in that position of needing to score, you know, high 20s at least, maybe into the low 30s potentially. So you have to be equipped in a way to be able to do that. And I think the thought is right now that Jalen Milrow gives them that best chance. I absolutely agree with you, Travis. One thing, you know, that gets lost a little bit, we talk about the two touchdowns that was taken off the board against Texas. There was also two uh, two passes that if the ball is thrown on the other side of the receiver instead of the backside, they're, they're easy walk-in touchdowns. So that's just an accuracy thing that should come with time, should come with timing. And uh, I, like you say, I, I think this kid puts the best opportunity to control the clock, control the ball, and his athletic ability is without question. And it gives it gives uh, Alabama a chance for big plays uh, in a game that they're going to need to control the ball and keep Ole Miss off the field. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if you, you incorporate him maybe more into the design run game, um, you, you can get some help there you know, to keep so much of the focus off the backs and keep backside defenders honest on some of these runs where you know we see that they're just um, running to the back. You know, on some of these zone read looks, uh, he keeps it a little bit more. And even on, again, just more quarterback-centric runs, I think for them to reach their ceiling as an offense, uh, just about every snap needs to present the potential for Jalen Milrow to do damage with not only his arm, but his legs, too. Talking with Travis Ryer on three. So, Pete Golding, defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, what impact does he have on this game? Well, you, you know he knows the personnel involved, right? I mean, obviously, Pete being around the program as long as he was and actually recruiting a lot of these guys for Alabama. He was a really good recruiter um, for Alabama. Uh, that's where it starts probably first and foremost. You know, Sark had a little bit of that, but uh, Pete should have even more. And then also Charlie Weiss Jr. Um, goes back a ways with Nick uh, as the offensive coordinator for Lane these days. So there's familiarity. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, they they have improved, I think, defensively. They had to from where they were a year ago. So it's been a good start, I'd say, um, for Pete in that regard. Uh, you know, I think for Alabama, again, you're, you're going to think that, you know, we're, we're big, we're physical. Uh, we should be able to control the line of scrimmage now. You know, whether it actually plays out that way, you're, you're wondering a little bit after these uh, last three games. But uh, that should be the approach for Alabama. Uh, you look at Ole Miss defensively right now in terms of just numbers, I think they're 11th in the league in total defense. Um, they gave up 474 last time out to uh, Georgia Tech in the win last Saturday. And Tech ran for nearly 170 through for a little more than 300 so 
uh, were able to maintain some balance in running 89 plays. And uh, I think that's you – know, Haynes King is the quarterback at Tech now from Texas A&M did a nice job for the most part in that game. Uh, so you still have to have a threat at the quarterback position throwing the football. But um, more balance between run and pass, um, then I think Alabama can take advantage of the, the talent deficit that should be in play. Travis, you know, we hear Coach Saban talk all the time about each team uh, grabbing an identity. What is the identity of a club? Through three games, uh, do you think that we are a running team capable of passing or a passing team that can run? I think uh, Alabama needs to be a a more run-centric team that can also – hurt you throwing the football you know a team that is able to establish the run game early and then off of that work the the play action game uh, i don't think this offense is best suited for just straight drop back passing and asking these quarterbacks to to go through full field reads uh, before making decisions uh, i think everything needs to be predicated off the run And if they're able to do that and truly establish that as their identity against quality opposition, they still have a chance to win a lot of games. Can't thank you enough, Travis. How can our listeners follow you? Just go to BamaOnline.com. You can also catch us these days on YouTube. We have a new YouTube channel for BamaOnline.com. Go to YouTube, put in at BOL on YouTube. You'll see a lot of our video content we're putting out these days as well. Thanks for the time, guys. You bet. We'll talk in, check in with you next Tuesday. Travis Ryer on Alabama. Uh, Alabama Ole Miss this coming Saturday at 2.30 CBS on W on ZEW 92.1, three hours before with the pregame show at 11.30. And uh, we will continue to talk about Alabama and Jalen Milrow as the quarterback. Uh, Later on in this hour, Jerry Palm from CBS Sports on some of the big games coming up this weekend. Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, and Colorado. Just to name a few. For Michael Bronner and Dan Jennings, I'm Lou Shervanian. Currently at a 716, we got a scoreboard traffic and weather coming up on WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. The opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. Good morning, David. Lee Shervaney, and uh, how's it going out there in uh, Tillman's Corner? Having um, having a good month, actually. Um, things have picked up, and um, what we've been talking about here lately is this UAW strike. So everybody that's uh, in the market for a car anytime soon, if you're wanting to get it worth the money, now's the time to buy because used car prices are going to go back up just like they did with COVID if this UAW strike continues because the – New car market is going to dwindle again. David McCreary with LCM Motors. Some uh, special cars out there that you might entice some of our listeners to come look at today? Yeah, we bought a, um, yesterday we bought a 2007 um, 2500 Ram with 5.9 diesel. That's that's one of the better um, diesel motors that, that Ram has had. One owner car, 
or one owner truck, I should say. Um, real, really nice vehicle. Um, we had um, a couple of three other vehicles come in. So we got some new inventory. Check out the website, lcmotorcars.com, when you get a chat and um, see what's new. Tell our listeners how they can find LCM Motors. We're at Highway 90 and Plantation Road in Theodore. It's one mile south of I-10, exit 15A. Give us a call at 251-375-0068 or go to the website, like I said, lcmotorcars.com. And if we're checking inventory, what seems to be the, let's say, the first, the group of cars that you have most on the lot right now? Most popular things right now are trucks. Always are. we got plenty of them. David, I really can't thank you enough. We'll check in with you Thursday, all right, and see if that right, vehicle is still, that you talked about is still there. David McCurry, LCM Motors. In the first hour, Ross Jackson he joined us. Uh, he writes for uh, SI.com, uh, Saints Report. And he brought up something, and, and Dan, you alluded to this also, why there's so many low-scoring games and very competitive games in the NFL. But there's also one of the reasons is because very few teams showing any kind of offense, and the reason being. I just don't think they're ready when, they, when the, the season starts. I think these guys are – these first few games of the season are almost like the preseason games for the 53 guys that make your club. And I get it. Nobody wants to, quote, get hurt in uh, preseason. Well, no one wants to get hurt at any time. And I think because of it, there's a delay in timing. There's a delay in, you know, getting your your calls right on the offensive line, getting things that you need from a anticipatory, you know, when you release the ball, uh, what kind of speed factor is he talked about with uh, Olave and, you know, how much you got to lead a guy with that kind of speed. All these things are timing that, you know, you can go out and do it in a dry drill. Oh, boy, that looks great. That's eyewash when it comes to the speed of the game at the NFL. And uh, it, I think all sports, to some degree, are guilty of this. And, um, you know, it's all about, well, you don't want to lose a guy in preseason. Well, I know as a manager and as a general manager, you don't want to lose a guy anytime. Think about this. What if in Major League Baseball preseason, you decided to sit out all of your starting pitchers because you don't want them to build up innings and maybe, you know, get hurt in preseason and didn't start them until the first game of the season? God forbid, Lee, don't say it because that's somebody who'll get the idea and that's where we'll head next. So, you know, I mean, we go to spring training essentially to get starting pitchers stretched out so that they can make the 30 to 36 uh, starts in the season. And um, I have to think where football is concerned, you know, you you certainly want your defense ready and flying to the ball and, and understanding the formations and the motions and things that they get. But you need to score. In today's game, you need to put points on the board and you have to have that timing to be efficient with your offense. Not only that, you know, we've had a number of starting quarterbacks, newcomers taking over like Derek Carr, plus you have the rookie quarterback starting. But the changes in the offensive line, to me, are the key because most of these offensive lines are not the same as they were last year. They have a new guy come in, somebody left on free agency, somebody got hurt, new uh, rookie comes in, and I think that's where the real issue is. No doubt. Last night, great example. Saints are driving. They're inside the 20. You got a sure touchdown, the kid Jones, who was brought up from the practice squad, and 
uh, he does a uh, he does a flash route and he's out of the backfield and he's wide open and it's a timing route and he's late to get his head around and Carr throws the ball and he can't find it and it's an easy walk-in touchdown. But again, those little things will end up costing you, and at that that particular play, cost the Saints a uh, an easy touchdown. Was that the one where Derek Carr looked very frustrated? Oh, he was aggravated, and you yeah. know what? That that all comes back on him. But at the same time, the timing of it—if you're the back out of the backfield, get your head around and look for the ball. We have a Chick-fil-A question coming up. We have Jerry Palm scheduled to join us at 7:30 in the. We're in the second hour of the opening kickoff. Dan Jennings sitting in for Mark Heim. Uh, Michael Bronner also joining us, as he does every morning. I'm Lee Shervanian. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk some Auburn sports with Justin Ferguson. And maybe a guest or two arranged by Mr. Dan Jennings. Seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with chick So when you're uh, traveling around the nation uh, for the Washington Nationals, do you run into any Chick-fil-A's, Danny? In every city I'm in, yes, sir. All right. Why don't you give the Chick-fil-A question? So all this noise about the Alabama quarterback. Lord, we're we're up against it. This kid's going to play this week. I'm going out on limb right now and tell you this kid's going to shine like a bright star this week, Jay Milrow. But in 2016, Alabama played in the great state of Texas against Southern Cal and won the game 52 to six. And during that game, Nick Saban replaced a quarterback and inserted a freshman by the name of Hertz. Who was the quarterback that was replaced? All right. So if you know the answer, uh, Michael's waiting for you. He knows the answer because he told it to us. <laughs> it's like, Michael's locked in. Well, he is. He's locked in when it comes to Alabama for sure. Six nine four one zero five five. Michael, are we ready to go with Jerry Palm, CBS Sports? Yes, we are. Jerry, welcome to the opening kickoff Tuesday morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? Wonderful. Uh, we've we didn't have too much going on nationwide. Obviously, the Alabama game provoked a lot of comment uh, around here. So now that Alabama's out of the top ten, where do you have them down the road in the bowl structure? Um, I had Alabama in. Uh, I still have them. I think in a New Year's Six game. I haven't totally given up on them, but um, Alabama's got some work to do to be sure. Uh, if they're going to make a, a one of the better bowl games this year, it, it's going to have to be, you know, a situation where they, they find a quarterback that they trust. You know, and right now they don't have a quarterback that they trust. Um, but you know, we'll we'll find out pretty soon here if they trust him because they're getting a big test this week 
Uh, actually, I do have Alabama. Where do I have Alabama? I still have them in the Peach Bowl with Penn State. So let me ask you this. Uh, which teams do you have now in the college football playoffs? Uh, Georgia, Michigan, 1-2, uh, 3, Texas, and 4, Florida State. So you'd have Georgia playing, what, Florida State? Right. Sugar Bowl. And then Texas and, and Michigan in the other game. In the Rose. Rose Bowl. Yeah. All right. This is a huge, huge weekend in college football. I'll get to some of the games. Yep. But I want to ask you, if Colorado somehow, some way, defeats Oregon, do you consider them a top 10 team? Yes, I would. Um, you know, Colorado, they're off to a good start. They're getting a lot of publicity, of course, because Deion Sanders is your coach. And so you're going to get a lot of publicity. Um, but the real test for Colorado starts now. You know, Oregon and USC in back-to-back week. This is where we find out how good Colorado really is. And they're disadvantaged because Travis Hunter's out. Their two-way player uh, plays about 100 snaps a game both sides of the ball. And so, you know, a guy like him goes out. You, you have two backups in play, uh, one on each side of the ball. And, um, you know, they struggled to beat TCU, but they did. They struggled to beat Colorado State, but they did. So, you know, this is a team that hasn't really shown yet that they're ready for the competition they're going to get the next two weeks, but they also haven't played the competition they're going to get the next two weeks, so we'll find out. Um, and this is, But this is really where, you know, if Colorado is going to make a statement that they belong in the national rankings and maybe higher up in the national rankings, the next two weeks are the chance to do it. Jerry, Dan here. Um, question, Colorado's getting all the hype, and deservedly so. I mean, Dion is – no one can market himself, his program, anything close to what this guy can do. He's a tremendous motivator. But there's a team that's playing quite well that's somewhat under the radar that really hasn't received a lot of pub, and that's Washington. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about Washington? Yeah, Michael Penix is off to a terrific start, their quarterback. Um, if you were to vote now for the Heisman, he would get my vote. Washington is lighting people up. And they really got my attention the very first week because they beat Boise State at home. You know, that's fine. They should beat Boise State at home, but they beat them by, you know, 35. I mean, they crushed Boise State. And that's a team that might go on to win the Mountain West this year. And it's like, all right, so that's a pretty good team. And they just a laid waste to them. They they laid waste at Michigan State this week. It's they are running roughshod over people. And if you're not yet paying attention to Washington, you should be paying attention to Washington because they look like the best team in the Pac-12 right now. And we talk about we talk about the Pac-12. All right, Colorado making a lot of noise. Washington, right. by the way, Penix was at Indiana. I remember him a couple of years ago. Yep. You yep. got Oregon. You got Southern Cal. What's going on here in college football? The Pac-12, which is probably in their last year of existence, is getting yeah. a lot of headlines, and the SEC yeah. is struggling against uh, Power Five teams. Everybody, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, well, the the Pac-12 has earned it. I mean, they've I don't know, they've hardly got any non-conference losses uh, throughout the entire league, except for Stanford. I mean, Stanford is pretty bad, but um, the rest of the league is doing pretty well. They've got five teams that I think are legitimate title contenders for the conference, uh, both Oregon schools, um, USC, uh, Washington, of course. Um, gosh, and then, of course, draw a blank on the other. But, uh, oh, Utah. Um, 
you know, who's only won it the last two years, right? So, of course, that's a team I draw a blank on. You know, so those five teams look like legitimate contenders. Colorado is also in the rankings. They have a chance to announce themselves as legitimate contenders here in the upcoming weeks. Uh, but, you know, this is a really strong league at the top. Then there's a gap between them and the rest of the league. Uh, but, you know, those teams have played well in non-conference play, too, uh, with the exception of Stanford. Stanford is a mess. But uh, the other teams are, are, are doing pretty well, and it's been a good non-conference season for the Pac-12. So Michigan gets Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline. Uh, they've maintained the number two ranking. But are they getting a hall pass? I mean, this kid McCarthy, three interceptions last week. Yeah. Their offense really hasn't been as stellar as advertised, but yet it seems to be Alabama is the punching bag for everybody, and Michigan's kind of getting well, a hall pass. Okay, it, they're not the same. <laughs> okay, first of all, Michigan's not playing anybody. They're still winning very comfortably. It's not like anybody's threatened Michigan. They don't have a 17-3 to against South Florida out there. All right, so Michigan is 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 playing with their food right now a little bit, but they're not they're not they're not in trouble yet. Until somebody starts to threaten them, Michigan's not got a problem. But yeah, they've been kind of lackadaisical. I'm just gonna go with that. They're, they've they've had really big spreads. I don't think they covered one yet. Right. Um, but but they're winning plenty comfortably. But yeah, they're not sharp. I don't think it has much to do with Harbaugh not being there. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll find out once they get into conference play. Maybe they get a little more motivated. Uh, but they get Rutgers this week, and they, you know, they better show up because Rutgers has actually played reasonably well for by their standards anyway at the beginning of this season. But yeah, at some point Michigan's going to have to, you know, light the fire a little bit if they're going to win this league because it's going to be very competitive at the top of their division. It's not just Ohio State uh, who has a big game this week, but uh, also Penn State is looking very good right now. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, terrific weekend. We start with Florida State, Clemson, and here in the state, uh, Auburn and Texas A&M, Alabama at 2.30, Ole Miss, uh, also at 2.30, Oregon and Colorado at night, Notre Dame and Ohio State among the games. Jerry, I don't know, and you don't have to answer just yet, I don't know if you're actually going to one of these games, but if no. we could give you free transportation, free tickets, and a night at a luxurious hotel, which <laughs> of those games I mentioned would you most want to go see? Well, if I'm going to get that kind of treatment, I guess I'd go to see Oregon and Colorado. Um, <laughs> the game that most interests me is um, Notre Dame and Ohio State, but that's a drive for me. I'm 90 minutes from Notre Dame. <laughs> That's a um and aren't really luxurious hotels around Notre Dame that I'd want to stay at, but uh, <laughs> I'd just come home. Uh, but yeah, so that game that that to me is the most intriguing game, Ohio State um, and uh, and and Notre Dame. That's two top ten teams playing each other. Uh, but it, you know the Oregon Colorado game would be you know really interesting. My um, Florida State and Clemson. It, you know this is really the best chance for Florida State to get beat in conference play. I mean, they're, they're still, I think they still have to play North Carolina as well. But this is the, you know, the road game at Clemson where, you know, Clemson's kind of licking their wounds a little bit from uh, um, the Duke game. So, you know, they, they still have to prove themselves, and this is their chance to prove themselves. So Florida State should really get a test uh, against Clemson. And if Clemson can't test them, then I think it would say a lot for both teams, you know, since the Florida State is really the dog in the ACC and the Clemson is not what they've been. 
um, has got some work to do to get back to that level, but it won't happen this year. You had mentioned about Penix and the Heisman. Would you give consideration to the quarterback at Colorado Sanders, or is it too early? Uh, I want to see what he does against the better teams. But, yeah, I certainly would. If you were going to make a top ten, he'd be on it. Yeah. I was going to ask that about the kid at Duke, Riley Leonard. He's put up some nice numbers. <laughs> yeah, he has. Um, you know, and really made a statement in that Clemson game. You know, that was a that was a terrific game for them. We'll have to see more how they how he does through conference play and all that. Uh, the level of competition hasn't gotten there yet. I mean, Clemson is a good team to be sure, uh, but I want to see more from him before we start talking about him. Who do you like in that old Miss Alabama game? Boy, it's hard for me to pick against Alabama. They're at home, right? That's yes, a home game. They're home. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, Mississippi's a good team. They better get some better quarterback and offensive line play. Um, yeah, it's, 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 they're really going to test them. Mississippi's really going to test them. Uh, but I, I hesitate to pick against Alabama at home. And of course, I've already been wrong with that once this year. <laughs> All of us. So the big story in college football is obviously Colorado. What other stories would you not so much supersede Colorado, but maybe two and three right below Colorado? Well, we talked about one of them already, and that's Washington. Um, you know, because they they're off to this terrific start, and um, you know, so I don't know that we need to talk about them again. But that certainly would be one of the ones um, that I would I would put at the top at Florida State. Florida State and Texas really kind of together as as teams that are looking to restore past glory and possibly push themselves into the college football playoff. Um, and really, the stories are similar, you know, in the sense that these are bigger names that haven't done much of late. Well, you know, now this year they look like teams that are capable of doing much and have already shown us a little bit of that. Jerry, many, many thanks. We'll check in with you next Tuesday uh, after this Blockbuster Saturday and get your thoughts on those games. You have a great weekend. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports. Good stuff. If you had a chance to go to any of those games, well, you'd probably pick Alabama, right? No, 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 no. Not if you're going to pay for all the stuff like yeah. you've offered. I, You know what? For me, the uh, the game that intrigues me the most is the uh, is the Notre Dame-Ohio State. Really? Yeah. I, I Two huge blue bloods playing at each other. Big. Just a, I think that's got a chance to be a great atmosphere. Michael, if you had uh, – setting aside Alabama, because obviously I know if it was Alabama, which game would you – you want to be in person to see i guess notre dame i think notre dame is going to uh is going to whoop ohio state I'll, 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 I'll go out on a limb there i think notre dame's pretty good uh and i don't i didn't think that was going to be something i i said a few games in but sam hartman's spectacular he is Absolutely. alabama tried for him didn't they I don't really think so. No. I mean, there was rumors this offseason that Alabama was going to go for a quarterback in the transfer portal. Whether be, I mean, Drake May never ended up entering from UNC, and then there was Tyler Van Dyke from Miami who also never ended up entering. And when those rumors came out, I didn't want Alabama to bring in a quarterback because it was. I thought there were a couple good ones on the roster. I said Alabama recruits good quarterbacks. We don't need to bring in one through the transfer portal. This is obviously pre-Buckner, too. Obviously, in hindsight... 
It would have been nice to bring in a Sam Hartman or a Drake May or a Tyler Van Dyke. I think all of them are better than what we currently have on the roster, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, that Drake, the fact that Drake May was committed to Alabama at one point is kind of haunting, but it is what it is. I would pick the Oregon-Colorado game. I just think that has the makings of a very exciting game. Blowout comingly. Blowout? Okay. Blowout coming. In favor of Oregon, right? Of course. All right. Uh, losing Travis Hunter is going to be a big yeah, I hate factor. That. Although, I got to believe that Coach Prime's going to use that as motivation. I mean, it's that, personal. He just it's needs personal. something to make <laughs> right. it personal. It's, I, it's always personal, right? It's got to run out at some point. When you were managing Miami, did you come out uh, to the uh, play home plate with the fighting order and all that and yell at the other coach it's personal every no no it's hard to do that over 162 (laughs) but uh you know what it's been the greatest form of motivation for a long time because of the emotions of football and man some some coaches are just they're maestros at making it happen they're great at it we'll take a break michael holland brian bank will be joining us in just a few minutes for michael brauner and uh, dan jennings sitting in from our i'm lee shervanian it is Tuesday. It's supposed to get up to the uh, high 80s, maybe 90 degrees today. But, boy, this morning it was like 68 degrees outside. Good morning to walk your dog. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> or he walked me. I should say that. He walked me. All right. We'll return in just a few minutes. This is George Pada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFT. You know, from a quarterback standpoint, this is all I'm going to say about this. You know, Jalen really showed the leadership that I was looking for, you know, during the game in terms of supporting his teammates and doing the things he needed to do. Um, He's had the opportunity to play, so has the other guys. Jalen played the best uh, of all those guys, and uh, so I think he's earned the opportunity to be the quarterback. That's it. So we can't speculate all week. We thought we'd have some fun with that, speculating who's going to take the first snap against uh, Ole Miss, and uh, Nick Saban squashed that. Uh, We're going to now talk with our good friend Michael Holland, uh, a big part of our Friday night coverage of high school football. Uh, Michael not only covers games for us, but he's the market president with Bryant Bank. This week's player of the week, we went defense. Brandon Purifoy, what a game he had for Viger against Williamson. Michael, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Lee. Good morning, Dan. You good don't, morning, Mike. You don't mind uh, following Nick Saban, do you? Not at all. What an honor. That's <laughs> yes, I bet. Let's talk, let's see our uh, subject of the day. Oh wow, mail fraud, mail check fraud scheme. Talk about that with us. Yeah, so criminals have targeted the U.S. mail system in order to steal personal and business checks, tax refund checks, and other government issued checks such as Social Security and unemployment benefits. And these criminals are networked all across the country. And, Lee, they're targeting the large blue collection boxes, unsecured residential mailboxes and cluster box units in apartment complexes and high-density commercial buildings. Once they have your check, uh, they're going to wash or alter the check. And then this wash check can be copied, printed, or sold to third-party fraudsters on the dark web. So here's how you can protect yourself. Uh, Pick up your mail promptly. 
use a postal service service such as hold for pickup, signature confirmation, or informed delivery. And if there's one tip you pick up today, if you are a business owner, ask your banker about positive pay. Positive pay. It is a terrific service offered to business owners. If you have been a victim, uh, contact the U.S. Postal Inspection Service and report what has happened to you, uh, and then they then can help you get that resolved. So that, that's what's going on uh, as it relates to mail fraud, Lee. And if you have questions about this or any other banking topic that may interest you or is going on currently, uh, give us a call at Bryant Bank, 264-6575. Better yet, come visit us. We've got an office in Mobile on Airport Boulevard. We're in Daphne, Foley, and Orange Beach. As always, Michael, thank you so much for joining us and uh, look forward to the Bryant Bank Player of the Week Friday night announced during the Pigskin Pete postgame show. All right, Lee, have a good one. You bet. I wanted to ask you uh, what's going on in, in baseball with the Braves. You, we, we talked about this last week. After Atlanta clinched the National League East, and it's, it's a whopping, they had like a whopping 15-game lead on Philadelphia, they have since lost four in a row, and, and most of those games haven't even been close. I mean, they're down early. But here's my point. It's one thing to know that you've clinched, but you're also playing for home field advantage. And I think right now the Baltimore Orioles are just two games below the Braves. Dodgers are a little further down so that you want to, if you get into a seven-game series, to get that seventh game on your home field Having been associated with teams that have gone to the World Series, also with teams that haven't, is there like a mental letdown after you win the National League uh, Divisional or your 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 division? Uh, it's a great question, and I would tell you I've experienced it both ways, and yes, I think there is. Um, the two times I've been part of a World Series championship, we've gone in as the wild card. And you have, realistically, you fight until the end. And there's that edge every day. I think September and October baseball, um, you hear the saying, you know, who gets hot at the right time? That is such a key component for the postseason. And, Lee, when you look at teams that clinch early, the positive part is, is you can get guys off their legs. They get rested. Everybody's beat up. Everybody's sore. Everybody's banged up right now over the course of this many games but that timing that edge that you know every night matters kind of thing uh once you clinch it it moves to the back burner a little bit now that's not to say you can't get it back because as we all know talent is going to win but talent winning and being hot at the right time is the key to uh that success in october you know, and, and again, they're playing for home field advantage, and, and it's not guaranteed right now because when I say the Orioles, if both teams made it to the World Series, you know, you still want to get that seventh game at home if it turns out that way. There's also other stories about this Braves lineup, which right now is, I'm not sure exactly how many. I, I think they have 288 home runs. The Twins have the all-time record. Is this the deepest lineup? that you can remember since you started getting involved with baseball? Wow. You know what? In terms of pure power, one through nine, you have to you have to put it in the mix. Um, 
You know, I mean, I you look at the last Yankee team that three-peated. That group was uh, that group was pretty special, but didn't have the same type power that you're seeing from these Braves. Uh, I heard a, a discussion on the radio yesterday, and you know they're tossing out the greatest lineup ever. And you can certainly argue that, man, when you look up and down this lineup. There's nowhere to go for outs, and you make a mistake, certainly on the plate and on the inner half, any of these guys can get you, and uh, you got a, you got a first baseman here that's got a 50 home runs and 130 RBIs, and he's probably going to finish fourth in the MVP race, which is unheard of. Um, so... Yeah, they're they're legit, and um, you know they it's it's the uh, baseball in 2023, but they have accumulated more of these type guys than anybody, and it makes them special. When the postseason begins, do they still have that ridiculous ghost runner at second base in extra innings? Or no? I I think they do away with it in extra innings. That's a great question. I don't know uh, off the top of my head, but I think they do away with it in the postseason, Lee. And have they decided yet on Robo? Lumps for next year <laughs> not decided but i i got a chance to witness it quite a bit in triple a and so for the first three games of a series they used the uh the robo umps and then the final three games of the series they allowed the pitcher the catcher and the batter to tap the top of their hat and they can challenge the call. And then it goes up on the Jumbotron like you see the box on your TV. It's really kind of funny to watch. But they, uh, when the robot, you still have a guy back there, right? Yeah, and he's, there's a beep that goes off if the ball go touches any part of that box. And then he makes the call based upon the can beep. Can you argue with him? <laughs> I don't know. It'd be tough <laughs> to argue with a beep. Although I do know people that argue with stop signs. So... <laughs> <laughs> Dan Jennings sitting in for Mark Heim. Auburn football talk next with Justin Ferguson. And I think Danny's got a special guest or two coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Hour number three coming up. Still a lot more talk on Jalen Milrow taking over as the Alabama quarterback. And we'll see what Justin feels about Auburn's chances against Texas A&M. <laughs> is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and on the Sound of Mobile app the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with Mark Heim Lee Shervanian and Michael Brawner the opening kickoff, kickoff. kickoff. here are Mark Lee and Michael Appreciate it. Uh, Mark's got the day off. He'll be back tomorrow. Dan Jennings sitting in for him. Dan, of course, with the Washington Nationals, but they've taken him off the road now. Are they going to put you back out? I think they wanted me to be here with you, Lee, so we could enjoy some beautiful mornings together. Right, and they did it at a perfect time when the Alabama quarterback was named. Hey, even better. Now we eliminate all the guesswork, and we can focus on the task at hand. There you go. And, of course, you wanted to be here to see if Michael Bronner had anything positive to say this morning. And 
He didn't disappoint. <laughs> he did not have anything positive to say. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, the intro, uh, we had the Saints winning yesterday. They're 2-0. and The Steelers 1-1 one one after their win over the Cleveland Browns. Jalen Milrow is now the Alabama quarterback, at least for this Saturday against Ole Miss. We want to find out what's going on with Auburn these days. So we call in. We talk about timely guest Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Justin, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Good. So, in your opinion, as this Auburn team, are they ready to play some SEC football now? <laughs> We're going to find out on Saturday for sure. Um, I think there's some areas of this team that's definitely improved and has showed some, uh, some, you know, some growth over the last few weeks. Uh, I think there are some areas uh, that you know they're going to they're going to struggle with, um, especially I think. Uh, with uh, with some of these injuries Auburn has, they've lost Nickelback Keontae Scott uh, for a foreseeable future. He had to have surgery yesterday on his ankle. Um, they're already down an inside linebacker. They've got some guys banged up at different positions, including the offensive line. So it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be tough. This Auburn roster is not a roster built to compete right away uh, in the SEC West, and, and Hugh Freeze talked about that. It's, it's a process. It's a rebuild. Recruiting is going to have to be big. Uh, but I do think Auburn's done a good job of, you know, so far this season of um, being a very opportunistic defense. Uh, a lot of takeaways, really high-rated takeaways than we've seen. Um, they're getting some guys in their pass rush uh, starting to be more impactful, which I think is going to be big in a game like A&M. And, and on Saturday, I thought showed some real growth and, and, some, and some progress from Peyton Thorne. Slow start from him. But he ends up finishing with a really big game through the air and on the ground. Uh, did some things an Auburn quarterback hadn't done in a while. Yeah, it was against Sanford, but I think they got a little momentum, a little confidence uh, on that side of the ball heading into this game. So, while I think the next three games Auburn's about to face, and maybe four when you count Ole Miss, they're going to be underdogs. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a stretch here where it's like, all right, Auburn, you just got to got if you can pick off at least one you'll feel pretty good about where you are for the rest of the year but it's going to be tough these are some of the most talented teams in the country they're going to be facing these next few weeks justin dan here uh 2 30 kickoff right 11 oh i'm uh, sorry 11 uh, o'clock saturday kickoff. it's 11 yeah okay um i was going to ask you about uh, a couple of the secondary guys because it's such a it, it was, has been a good unit and looks to be a good unit uh you alluded to um Scott's injury and also uh, Pritchett. So your corners are down. Uh, is there depth there? Certainly they're not going to have the uh, the experience, but is there depth there that can go in and and uh, suffice? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, at the nickel spot, you've got um, Donovan Kaufman should be back this week. He had a head what looked like a head injury against Cal. Practice all week last week. They thought he was going to play, and then Auburn decided not to play him against Sanford. They feel like he's going to be able to play on Saturday. He's a guy that's played really well the first few weeks of the season. Um, he's forced two fumbles, made a lot of impact plays, really good blitzer, so I think that'll help in a matchup like this. Uh, so, you, you know, you got that. Caleb Wooden played a good bit last week uh, at Nichols, so you, you feel like you, you're, you're okay. You'd rather have Keontae Scott, obviously, because he's such a good player, but, you know, they got some depth there. They'd love to get Nehemiah Pritchard back this week. Uh, we will see. Pritchard is dressed out the last two games and like warmed up and then came back out, you know, uh, in street clothes, not able to play. So they've tested him the last couple of weeks to see if he was going to be ready to play and have decided against it. 
if they could get him back on Saturday, that would be huge. Because then you would have Pritchett, DJ James, who's had a great start to the season. Kay and Lee, who has started the first three games of the year for Auburn as a true freshman, which is pretty rare for a corner. He's played well. J.D. Rim came back last week from injury, uh, missed the first part of the season with that. He got a pick, played pretty well. Uh, and then you've got your safeties where, you know, you're, you're, you know, uh, Jalen Simpson's got three interceptions in three games. Uh, Zion Puckett's played really well. So that secondary is really strong. You're going to miss Scott. But if you can get Pritchett back, I feel like they've got experience enough in depth that they're going to be able to kind of manage pretty well without it. Um, so it, I think a lot of it just hinges on, you know, if, if they can get Nehemiah Pritchett ready to go this weekend. Yeah, I think the, the Simpson kid is tied for the lead uh, in the country with interceptions. He's got a nose for the ball. Um, how about offensively? What uh, what do you see there? How does that match up against uh, A&M from their uh, defense? Yeah, so it's this is a game coming up where Auburn, I think, is going to have to put the ball in the air to win. Texas A&M's got a really good run defense, really strong up front. They were, you know, pretty strong in the trenches last season. Um, a lot of a lot of those five star guys they recruited over the years are up front for them. A little bit more susceptible through the air. Uh, you go back to that Miami game two weeks ago. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke did a really good job of of making plays through the air on them. Um, and so for Auburn, I think it was good to see Peyton Thorne throw the ball pretty well. Um, yeah, it was against Sanford, but um, you know, making some plays that they really weren't able to make uh, the first couple games of the season uh, through the air. Uh, saw some other guys step up at wide receiver. You know, Shane Hooks had a decent day. Um, you, you saw some big plays from a variety of guys that we hadn't really seen a ton of. Uh, you know, Jay Fair continues to be really good. Um, you know, you got Revolta Fairweather making big catches. Auburn's running game wasn't great against Texas A&M. I mean, I'm sorry against Sanford, and that's a little iffy coming into uh, Texas A&M, especially with maybe some injuries on the offensive line. But um, I do think, you know, the better path to success in this game is going to have to be throwing the ball. Um, they had to show some more balance. They did it against Sanford. So it's going to be a really, really tough test. Uh, but, you know, you are playing an early game away from home. It's 11 o'clock kick. So if you're going to play these early games, you'd rather do it on the road. Be interesting what the crowd is like and, and the atmosphere is like for A&M um, coming off that loss a couple weeks ago to Miami. Uh, so, it, it, offensively, I think Auburn, you know, is going to have some opportunity to make some plays. You just kind of to go out and do it. And uh, there's going to be a lot riding on, you know, what Thorne and his receivers can do because that seems to be the way to attack the same M defense. All right, you mentioned about the four tough games coming up. Which of those four do you think Auburn has the best chance to win? Of the four, it would, it would probably be Ole Miss up in, uh, you know, the, the fourth one of that one because that one's at home. Auburn talent talent level wise as a whole is much closer to Ole Miss than they are to you know A and M Georgia LSU. Um, if I had to pick which one of the next three, it might be A and M this weekend. And I'm not saying I mean they could very well go out and A and M can play like they're fully capable of playing and and, and take care of business against Auburn. But you know I think A and M is uh, of those teams. You know they've got a lot of talent, but it's just kind of been iffy. You know obviously the the, the tough year last year. They lose, you know, they've blown out two other opponents this year, but they lose to Miami. Um, it might not be fire on all on all cylinders at the moment. It could be an opportunity early in the year uh, for Auburn to kind of pick them off um, as, as A&M's trying to figure stuff out because I think Georgia's going to be really difficult even at home. And uh, I think LSU is in, in Death Valley. You know, LSU looked like they had more of their act together last week for sure against Mississippi State. 
uh, this one and then the, and then Ole Miss uh, in a few weeks, I think, seems like the most likely. Um, you need to get one of them, I feel like, because towards the end of the year, you play Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. Uh, you get Alabama at the end of the year, obviously. Uh, you get another uh, non-conference game against New Mexico State. There's potential there to go in a run heading into the Iron Bowl because of the way the schedule sets up. But this first part, is it's just survival mode and see, see who you can pick off. Can you imagine if Auburn beats Texas A&M, the, the feedback on Jimbo Fisher? Oh, man, it, it would be insane. It would be insane because, you know, then, then that would be since A&M signed that number one recruiting class, uh, you know, A&M would have lost to Auburn twice, once under an interim head coach uh, and then the other time uh, under a brand-new head coach uh, early on. So, I mean, it, you know, if you have a stretch here where – uh, Auburn beats A&M twice in the span of seven games with as much money as they're paying Jimbo Fisher and as as much as they've recruited over the last few years. I mean, that would be that would be really, really uh, tough times in, in College Station. Are you surprised that they put the George-Auburn game at 2.30 on CBS for the very reason that, competitively speaking, George has been really did it to Auburn the last couple of years? Mm-hmm. These games have not yeah, been very no. competitive. Yeah, no, I, I kind of was surprised. I thought there was a chance that maybe Ole Miss LSU get, could have gotten that slot. Um, but I, I think ultimately it came down to CBS wanting to get Georgia on their network. Uh, number one team in the country should still be number one, um, you know, by the time they play Auburn. It's a classic rivalry. No matter how lopsided this series has been over time, it still gets really good TV ratings, and a lot of people are super interested in it. I mean, it's the, it's the oldest rivalry in the South, uh, one of the most played games, so – you know, I can see that. And also, you got to keep in mind, CBS doesn't get to have this game anymore. Uh, this is this is it. Uh, so, um, you know, not as surprising. I know some Auburn fans would have loved to have had a night game for this one just because it's been a while since Auburn and Georgia played at night. Uh, but, you know, even though Ole Miss and LSU might be a more competitive game on paper, um, I, think the, I think the tradition and the history of Auburn and Georgia was what they wanted to go with. Can't thank you enough, Justin. I really enjoyed it. Uh, we'll check in with you next week. You're making the trip? To, uh, to Absolutely. Yes, sir. Be I'll safe. be there, and uh, I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you bet. You. Thank you so much. All right, Justin Ferguson, the Auburn Observer. When we come back, oh, it's name it time. You ready to go, Michael? You got a good one? I got one picked out. He's prepared, isn't he? And then oh. we still have discussion to go on Jalen Milrow, and Dan's going to offer his I, I say it's more than a conspiracy. The the insight, his insight as to why Nick Saban made the announcement yesterday. Is that fair? I say uh, that's fair, yeah. Okay, that's fair. And then, of course, Michael, I'm sure, will rebut that. <laughs> Which makes it fun. Of course. <laughs> I'll be the uh, arbitrator. The I got my gavel. The fair and fun portion of the morning show. All right, it's about 8.15 WNSP Sports time. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP. Come on, everybody. I say, now let's play a game. I bet you I could make a rhyme. Not of anybody's name. The first letter of the name. Oh, the song by Shirley Ellis. Do you remember this song? So, I do remember. Yes, I do. All right, Michael, take it away. Uh, we need a qualifier. Qualifier number two for Naaman's tailgating party. Uh, uh. 
I actually think I know what that is, but don't say anything, okay? Should uh, we? Are we taking this on the air, Michael? Yeah, we can. All right, let's do it. Let's get. That's the uh, the sound. All you have to do is identify it. Let us know what that is, and if you're correct, you qualify. Uh, Alec Naiman will be on a week from Friday with the uh, pick a number for the winner. Good morning. Who am I talking to? This is Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Yes. Yes, sir. Can you identify that? It's a chainsaw. It was a chainsaw. That's what I would have guessed. Good job, Ryan. Yeah, very good. Okay, so, Ryan, you become our second qualifier. Appreciate you calling. Uh, Give Michael your details just in case you uh, win so we'll know how to get in touch with you. A chainsaw. Have you ever? You're a chainsaw Uh, guy. Yes, indeed. I knew it right away as soon as I heard it. Yep. I've been on the wrong end of some of those with the, uh, or I guess it is the right end. I shouldn't say wrong, but the storms we've had over years and having to go out and help people try to uh, to secure all of their properties. All right, let me ask you something now. On the Jalen Milrow announcement, we talked off the air about this. You want to give us your, let's say, insight your insight as to how all this came about so everybody's got a conspiracy theory i mean i man oh man it's at nauseum how much we've heard alabama's terrible and alabama's this and enough already get on the positive side but here's my take here's my take crazy as this may be so you have to think if you're alabama you're going to win the game at south florida now, I know Coach Saban would never discredit an opponent, and I understand that, and I respect that. But you know what? You brought in a new OC who brought in his QB from Notre Dame. You have people all over that are Alabama fans going, oh, Milrow's not the answer. Go with the other guys. Okay, I'm going to give you what you guys want. Starts the other guys, plays them both. Weather's a factor. Different things factor. Timing, all of it. They win the game, which I think everybody felt like they were going to do, and it was not in a great fashion. And so to prove the point and move on beyond it, Saban comes out early. He makes the comment, that's it, we're going with Milrow, he's our guy. And you know what? This guy is going to be the greatest college football coach in the history of the sport. We've always talked about trust the process, He knows what he's doing. He's got his pulse on that team better than anyone. Get behind this guy and let's get positive aura and positive karma going. And I think you're going to see a group of players, talented players, who begin to jail as things unfold. Did it start the way we all wanted? No, it didn't. Has it been pretty? No. You're two penalties away from beating Texas. Two passes, it could have been two more touchdowns. So there are some positives amongst all this doom and gloom that have come out of the first three games. All right. Speaking about doom and gloom, let's bring in Michael Bronner. Wow, you got a new nickname, Michael. Well. Dr. Doom. Oh. Remember who had that name? I do. Yeah. Rough and tough. There's a picture of him right behind you. Uh, Yeah, I I don't disagree with you on – I think it was the right call to name Milrow the starter. Uh, I I just think this team has big problems. And, Dan, while you say they were were two penalties away from beating Texas, at the same time, 
Like, Texas dropped a couple of passes that should have been touched. That game could have been worse than it was, not to mention one of the penalties that uh, was called back for a touchdown. I mean, that ball should have been picked off. Uh, we're talking about the play at the end of the half that was the crazy tip pass to Burton. That, that really should have been another pick at the end of the half. I, I don't know. I, I think this team has big problems. If they can fix the offensive line a little bit, they might be okay, but there's a limited ceiling to this team. Like, this team can't win a championship. I don't think that's crazy to say. And I say that as a biased Alabama fan. I, I mean, I look at, look at what we're looking at. This is not a championship Alabama team. It just isn't. The quarterback play isn't good enough to elevate the issues that they have. Defense is very good. I, it's encouraging. Uh, I think it's better than last year for sure, but... On offense, they have the same issues that they have last year without Bryce Young to mask those issues, and so it is what it is. I think they're probably going to probably going to go nine and three in a best case scenario here. I'd be I'd love to be proven wrong, but I I just see what's in front of my eyes and and it tells me this team is not good enough. Is it fair to say that number one, nobody, no team is under the microscope more than Alabama? Yes. Number one, number two, they're not right now today ready to win a national championship but teams that have four and five star athletes can and do get better over the course of a year yes okay. yes I, I think both those statements would be fair but they have a, a lot to fix and also i think something that works to their benefit really no one's great right now no doubt uh like, no doubt point to the team that's I mean, Georgia in their first quote-unquote test, if you even want to call South Carolina at home a test, they didn't look great. Obviously, they looked good in the second half. But, I mean, besides Georgia, like, point me to that team that is bound to win it. They're just, they don't exist right now. It's the first year in a while in college football. I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's pretty I, for wide me, open. I think Michigan is overrated. Yeah. But they get a hall pass. Jerry Palm didn't think so. He didn't think they were the same. You know what? Let it play out and let's see what occurs. I feel that... This team gets scrutinized more than any team because of the level, the standard, all the things that they've been over the course of Saban's tenure there. And you know what? This is the rat poison maybe they need, and I think he come out and made a statement. That's our guy. That's the way we're going, and we're about to play football. Did we ever get a winner on the Chick-fil-A? Oh, we did get a winner on the Chick-fil-A. It was Todd. Todd? Yeah. Okay. And the answer was? Blake Barnett. Okay. That Got boy a, uh, knows his Alabama football. Michael does. We have a reunion coming up next. We Fam do. Family yeah. friend. Uh, uh, family I friend. think this has got a chance to be fun. And I've got a little breaking news. You're kidding. Breaking news. On this day, on our show? Yes, sir. intro has anything to do with our next guest does it i hope so but i love the tune that's good jazzy where'd he pick it up from where'd you get it from it's on youtube but this is ophelia by the band ophelia that's good stuff i didn't know if you two you know started clicking after your little debate about jalen milrow Oh, of course so we you, click. So you have a hot take on this show? I got a hot take. Here you're, we go. You're going you're gonna to manage the Washington Nationals next year. Nope, nope, nope. Both ah. days are over. My wife said if I do that, she's divorcing. So that's out the window. 
But here is some breaking news, and I'll tell you what, it touches my heart because it's near and dear to me. But the other day, I received a text from my brother, David Jennings, who works as a scout for the Baltimore Orioles. He has been named the 2023 Scout of the Year for the Baltimore Orioles. He's put a couple of outstanding young men on that major league team. He had a tremendous draft, which I'll let him tell you guys about. And uh, as you alluded to in our 6 o'clock hour, I think Baltimore's won four in a row. They look like they're headed to win the AL East. They've secured a spot in the postseason. And uh, because the Washington Nationals are not going to be in it, I've never pulled or prayed harder for someone to win and get a World Series ring. So it is with great honor that I introduce my brother, David Jennings, the 2023 Scout of the Year for the Baltimore Orioles. Congratulations and welcome, Dave. Uh, good morning. Thank you. I'll expect some money after that intro, I'll tell you hey, that. Dave, Dave, do you get your own parking place now at Camden Yards, or <laughs> do you still have to uh, uh, park at a, at a meter? Yeah, probably a meter and take the little scooter across. <laughs> so what what do you get by being named Scout of the Year? What does that entail? What What are some of the benefits? I get a, a free trip up to Baltimore here in a couple of weeks, and uh, that's about it. Maybe a nice little plaque or something. See, and maybe I'll be his agent and negotiate some nice little raises, too. I mean, there needs to be some incentive in why this. Did, why have you two never worked together at the same team? Nepotism. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that's kind of, I mean, it happens some in baseball. But, man, he's in a spot. And as we've talked about, uh, Dave, you guys are playing well. Talk about your kids on the Baltimore team and how good they're playing and contributing and how well y'all are playing as a team. Yeah, it's really been fun to watch this year. Uh, every game is exciting. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, a kid I got out of uh, high school up in Selma, uh, is uh, you know battling for the Rookie of the Year this year. Uh, played short and third for us, and you know he's I think 27 home runs now, and uh, he just he's really been a, a big spark plug for us. And then uh, second baseman. Uh, Jordan Westberg that I got out of Mississippi State, and um, you know he's been a solid uh, hitting around 270 and playing a good solid second base or third base when he's in there. So uh, yeah, the a uh, lot of young blood on our team, and uh, they've really been fun to watch and have been playing really good ball here lately. You're closing in on the Braves for best uh, record, which means that if you somehow met the Braves in the World Series. You'd have home field advantage if it won seven games. You want to talk about that, Dave? I think that would be huge. Uh, you know, Atlanta has been there quite a bit and a very strong uh, fan base. But, yeah, getting to uh, have home advantage there at our place would be outstanding. All right, I'm going to ask Dan and, and, and get you involved. The Orioles over back when I started following baseball, they always had these great pitching staffs. I mean, you know, Palmer, McAnally, Cuellar. I don't know one guy <laughs> starting that you would say right now 
is a bona fide what all star? I mean, is there somebody that you have? In other words, you don't you don't send a rotation out there that that seems so intimidating, and yet you're in first place. Yeah, it's uh, it's been some steady guys, a lot of guys that we picked up on uh, some trades and uh, free agents, but uh, one of our our young guys, Grayson Rodriguez, is uh, a, a name I think you kind of you're definitely going to know in the future for sure. He's uh, a rookie this year, and uh, he has some dominant stuff. Uh, Kyle Bradish, who's been pitching as our number one. Is uh, I think fourth in ERA, and you know he's uh, one of the top pitchers uh, stat-wise up there. And uh, John Means, who was an All-Star for us a couple of years ago, is just now coming back from Tommy John. And um, you know we've got some solid guys who you know throws strikes and gets out. And uh, you know so far they've uh, they've carried us pretty good. So Danny, when we picked teams to win it back in what april april I, yep i don't remember you picking the orioles of course i did i've got to say i did <laughs> if i didn't maybe i said tampa but you know what i'll tell you i've watched this team uh over the last month especially you know because of of dave and man they're exciting and you you run out bradish and grayson rodriguez and if they get means back uh with this bullpen they have they're going to score runs, and they play good defense. They're exciting. This Santander, Austin Hayes, this catcher, Adley Rushman that they have, and then you put in uh, Dave's kids, Gunnar Henderson and Westberg. They are – there's a reason they've won 90-plus uh, games. And, you know, we always talk about every year there's a team that kind of has that it factor, and this team is starting to show that it factor. They have it. And uh, it got a chance to be pretty exciting October for Dave All right, in Baltimore. Let me. I don't. I know this is going to sound like Debbie Downer or something like that, Dave. Um, but a while back, after the fiasco with the play-by-play uh, -play announcer uh, suspended, right. but that's not what I'm going to ask you about. That the uh, who's the owner? Is it Ange Is it John Angelos? Is that who it is? Yes, that's it. Okay, I saw where he came out with. A statement that, yeah, this is great, but I'm not going to be able to keep a lot of these guys, so it'll be a short term. What did, what did, when you see something like that, after all the work you do, you beat the bushes to find these players, and I could never understand why an owner would say that, at least wait till after the season. Why would you say it during a pennant rush like this, where the Orioles are really kind of like the Colorado of you know, college football, the Orioles are in baseball. Why would you come out and make a statement like that with the fan base getting excited to say, well, we may not be around, you know, too you, much longer? You actually saw this in writing? Oh, yeah. That? Yeah. I, I didn't see that. Did you see that, Dave, where the owner kind of, no. he was interviewed? And he said, well, we, that. yeah, I he said he was interviewed up. and he said, well, we won't be able to, you know, keep all these players because, you know, the, the economics and everything like that. It kind of really, I talked about this on the air a little bit. It really disappointed me when I saw that. Hey, one thing I did want to bring up, Dave, the draft of uh, 2023. I know you were there in the draft room. You had a nice year. Can you talk a little bit about that and the, the kids that you, uh, that you got? Yeah, I ended up with uh, getting five guys in the draft. Our uh, sixth round out of 
uh, Sanford up in Birmingham, and then our uh, tenth rounder. Oh, I'm sorry, our ninth and tenth rounder, kid from Troy, and uh, then a kid from Southern Miss, and then ended up with uh, two pitchers from LSU after that big year this year. And so, uh, you know, they went out, and uh kid from Southern Miss really played well, a couple pitchers threw good. So, uh, yeah, very happy with our draft this year. That's outstanding. You, uh, there's really only one thing left to accomplish, and that's in this postseason and getting that piece of hardware that uh, that's uh, it's certainly obtainable with you guys and the way you're playing right now. And you know, I, how about talk to me a minute about your uh, your manager and how uh, the perception and the players how they respect Brandon Hyde and and how he's led that uh, led that team. Obviously, he's been through some uh, tough times the last couple of years, and uh, now he's seeing it going going the right way. And um, they absolutely love him. Uh, definitely a player's manager. Uh, a lot of energy. Seems to push the right buttons with those guys. And, uh, you know, they play hard for him. And, um, yeah, he, he's, he's definitely the team leader. And uh, guys, that they look to him and, he uh, he gets them going every day, and um, yeah, he pushes the right buttons for us, and uh, it's been been a great uh, great get for us over there. Okay, now I have just one statement before Lee takes over. If you're going up there to get honored as a scout of the year, and you don't end up in the bird bath getting drenched, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, there's no doubt I want to end up there. Get that. You, no question. Do you get a, a like free uh, barbecues from the? Is Boog Pal still got his uh, barbecue out there in right field? Yeah, it's still out there, and uh, I've, I've had it a couple of times, and it's well worth it. It's really good. All right, hey Dave, it's so good to hear from you. Congratulations. Did you ever get that, Danny? Thank you. Were you ever a scout of the year? Man, no. Maybe, yeah, maybe a you were. Times. But I, you know what? I never had two cats like this on one team doing what they're doing. I'll tell you that. I, uh, I'm Wait a just, you had you had Griffey and Rodriguez at Seattle, didn't you? Unfortunately, my name wasn't on signing them, but I was in that organization. Yes. All right. Hey, Dave. Uh, good luck uh, in the postseason. You deserve it. Thanks, Lee. Thank yeah. you. I, I go back to 1969. When, remember when the Mets beat the Orioles? Absolutely. Were you around for then for the uh, yeah. Miracle Mets one? Miracle Mets, But, yes. God, they had, to, they had to face McNally. They had to face Quayar. Um, Dobson. Yeah, Dobson. Dobson. Yeah, they had a, they, yeah. Every year they had, like, this this four, four-man four rotation. and then All 20-game winners. And even prior to that, remember when the Orioles beat the Dodgers in the World Series? And I think it was Palmer yep. beat uh, Koufax. Wow. Anyway, all right, we got another segment to go. Tremendous. I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy for my brother. I, I'm telling you, I if I ever wanted something so bad, I want those guys to win it and him get a ring. How long has Dave been with the Orioles? Uh, he's been there like 24 years, I think. 23 years. And right, I'm going to get you guys back here. I'll just arbitrate, sit back, and listen to you guys hash this quarterback situation <laughs> out once again. I, I enjoyed that. It's not... It's kind of like listening to that Judge Judy. And I'll just sit back here and... Michael, I think he's an instigator. I am an enabler. Oh, he is. All right. <laughs> get, get Big you, button pusher. Yeah. Get, get your uh, daggers ready, Michael. Oh, they're always All right. out. 
We're going to find out who's the most positive individual in sports these days. We'll just ask Michael Bronner. All right. Uh, closing ceremonies coming up, Sports Station, uh, and then we'll call it a day at 9 and turn it over to Dan Patrick. Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. That's something, probably the only thing that Michael and I can agree on. <laughs> you love the Eagles. Yeah. I see it. The other thing is, you know, you know, he's from New Jersey, too. Uh -oh. That's why I was hoping you got Parcells on today. Oh, man. He didn't answer you, did he? No, he, I think he's on the golf course. So We I, had him on last time you were here, Dan. Oh, yeah. He, he likes to come on and do the Mobile Show, but he uh, he's in a little golf outing. His days in Florida are numbered. He's getting ready to... Uh, uh, to head back so well he likes to come on if you're here i remember being at senior bowl headquarters one year and he dissed me pretty good oh boy he just walked by me and said hey bill can you come by and say oh, see you <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh by the way uh coming up the dan patrick show we've got chuck oliver from one to three the final drive goes from three to five today and then they morph right into talking football with scott hunter and tracy turner john ricchetti's back you know he gave up monday night so we could carry the saints game last night john's on from six to seven and then the crimson tide rewind from seven to eight since we're going to do the rewind let's do it right now so what happens guys if jalen milrow now in the opinion of you dan is this like a solidification a certification that he's going to be the starting quarterback in every game i think it is i think this is a commitment um you know what i i read into a little bit when saban said he liked the way the kid acted and interacted on the sideline after not uh you know not starting not playing down in uh, south florida um pull for his teammates showed that he was a leader that goes a long way you know i mean how many times have we heard him say you got to win the team you have to win the team and that's part of it when things adversity is a great thing in sports because it brings out true character and this has created, for whatever reason, a firestorm of adversity. And I think this kid, I read something that he put out, whether it was on Twitter or one of these social medias about, you know, he, he played bad, he regretted it. He took, he took the responsibility of saying that, you know what, this is on me, a lot like Bryce Young used to do, and I heard Bryce Young do last night in the NFL. So these qualities lend themselves to leadership leadership is about getting people to follow you and i think that this is a big step for milro in doing that well i mean i see it as he's gonna start the old miss game and and we'll see what happens moving forward i, I mean performance matters amen uh so if if he performs like he performs in the texas game then then no he's not gonna be the guy moving forward uh is is anything they have in the room better? Heck, I, I don't know. Uh, so if Milrow isn't the answer, which frankly I don't think he is, but I don't know if any of the other guys are the answer anyway, it's entirely possible 
that this is a lost season already. Again, not at this point, but it's entirely possible that what they have in the room is not good enough to win more than eight or nine games. It, it is possible. Wait, wait. Eight or nine games, that's all you see down the road? It well, keeps I mean, going down. What's yeah, going on here? If, if we three. extend the show, it'll be six and six. <laughs> let's, don't, let's don't stay on the air to noon. <laughs> wow. Where did you come up with this? So who are they going to lose to? I mean, I don't feel great about LSU. I don't feel great about Tennessee. I really don't feel great about going on the road at A&M. I, I mean, these are these are not easy games no. at this point. No. Uh, so I don't think it's crazy to say this team is going to go 9-3, and three, and if things go really wrong, they could, go, I, Lee, they could lose on Saturday. Okay, frankly. hold on. Let me be devil's advocate a minute. You say they could lose three or four. Do you, could they... Run the table. Yes. Okay. Yes, they could. I'm not saying it's like it's over, it's done. Like, they could. Right. But I'm also seeing what's in front of me and seeing, you know, the writing's kind of on the wall with how things could go. They could lose on Saturday. They might lose on Saturday. To this point, based on what you've seen, it's you don't have, you don't believe yet. Is that Correct. fair to say? That, okay. that would, hey, if they go and beat Ole Miss by three touchdowns on Saturday and Milrow well, looks good, I might be singing a different tune. What if they beat them by a last-second field goal? Mm, I mean, I think it's going to be a struggle each each, each and every week, pretty much. 20 second, I mean, 20 years from now, we're going to look back and it's going to be a W, and that's all that matters, correct? If if they uh, – yeah, I mean, that would be a W. Okay, so. okay. And South I, Florida I, game was a W. Yeah, amen. And I'm good with that. Was it the prettiest? Absolutely not. Is it easy to pick them apart? Yes. We all love to be the Monday morning armchair quarterback. God, let these kids grow. Let them develop. Come the come the Iron Bowl, we may be so in love with uh, Milrow, we forget who Bryce Young was. <laughs> It come could on. happen. It could happen. But You're we yourself. we have become so spoiled with Alabama football and the success rate that we don't want to look, you gotta put a cake in the oven and you have to let it bake. You don't you don't <laughs> mix Where did the, I hear that? You don't mix the thing and then it's just automatically a cake. There takes time to have it all gel as a unit. I don't know if they have the ingredients for a championship cake this year. Well, then, if that's the case, there's a hell of a lot of four- and five-star recruits up there that all the other powerhouse teams wanted that are up there. And I, I'm i going to trust the process on this one. It's just uh, – well, there's going to be no world where uh, – we forget about Bryce Young, by the way. It could happen. Uh, it no, could happen. No, it couldn't. But <laughs> it, I, I don't know. It, it, it is what it is. Um, it's funny because we talked about Julian saying the kid coming in from California next year a lot and could he compete for the job as, as a freshman. And I thought that answer depended a lot on how the quarterback play was this year. That's fair. I think you're getting your answer now. I, I mean, uh, now I'm more excited you for know what, You know what Julian this reminds me of? Year. Remember when George Steinbrenner used to go out and buy everybody available that was a DH or a, uh, a, a you know, an outfielder, and they spend, you know, the flavor of the month. Oh, yeah. So now with Alabama and these quarterbacks, it's the flavor of the month. Hey, the reason I wanted to make that the Chick-fil-A trivia question <laughs> was strictly for, you know what, it could happen. Listen, Dan, if this team goes 8-4, and 9-3, it's going to be okay. Like, it's, it's going to be all right. It, it might happen, and it's going to be okay. Nick Saban's still going to be here next year. 
I mean, I know it like sounds ridiculous, and I'm just po like, yeah, it sounds crazy to say that, but it it very well might happen, and it's all gonna be okay if that does happen. No, hey, I got That's two. Just I might got the reality with I this I got team. two of my fishing buddies, Eric and Andrew. Boy, we're back and forth on this, and you know what? I will acknowledge that they may lose three or four. I also will acknowledge that they could run the table. I just don't know what, what you've seen from this team that gives you the confidence they can run the table. I saw them establish the run right out of the gate against Texas, so that part of it's there. And then it died. And it died because we flipped the script, so to speak, and all of a sudden we had an interception. There, there were things over the course of that game to like. There were things over the course of that game that you go, you know what, we're not there yet. We are not there. It's a journey to get where we're going. And in doing that, they lost a game to a top four team, it appears, in Bryant-Denny, had two touchdowns taken off the board, and two more that were there had the ball been on the other side of the receiver. A top four team that struggled against Wyoming the following week, by the way. I, I'll tell you how they can run the table. They can run the table if Nick Saban snaps his fingers, the offensive line is magically good, and Nick Saban snaps his fingers, and Jalen Miller magically stops turning the ball over and, and turns into a really good quarterback. Of course, know. you have to continue, but that opportunity to get better is there because of the talent level. That's Is that a fair statement? I would say the opportunity to get better is there. Yes, the offensive line has been dreadful and it's full of five stars. Yes, and so I if they, they take a better. step forward, then you go, oh, my God, they look like they're back. And they take another step forward. They have two of the biggest games of the year left in Bryant-Denny. I think that is a huge, huge positive. And they're only going to get better as this thing unfolds. And I, you know what? I've always been a glass half full person, and I'm half full with this glass where the tide's concerned. Again, I'd love to be proven wrong in the same breath. I can see them losing on Saturday. I, I'm not even going to predict that they lose on Saturday, but you know I what? Just, I, you know what I'd like to see. We'll see. Tyler Buckner come off the bench oh, and, no. <laughs> and lead him to a victory. Michael eight. might not be here. Oh, we know. may have to go visit him at the no, infirmary. No, no, I would Tyler love to Buckner. see Tyler Buckner come off the bench late in the game, throw a touchdown pass to pull one out of the fire. I mean, you if never he's, know. I'm going to root for him if he's out there, but he shouldn't be out there. Give me Ty Simpson. Give me Dylan Lonergan. Give me anyone but Tyler Buckner. Thanks for coming in, Danny. Great stuff. I love it. Good. Hey, that's good back and forth. Yes, I enjoyed sir. that, Michael. That's good. Just happy to be a part of it to introduce you to <laughs> and, and let it play out. Just, just happy to be the mediator. All right. For uh, Michael and, and Dan, I'm Lee Shavanian. Uh, Mark will be back tomorrow. We got Dan Patrick coming up next. Roll Tide. On, uh, the John Ricchetti Golf Show returns tonight. He took off last night so we could carry this same.